Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, October 18th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... Two House committee chairs request information from the governor on how the state is allocating federal dollars for water infrastructure. Then, more from the state's Senate minority leader on the party's effort to examine welfare spending. Plus, Mississippi faces a critical shortage in much-needed blood types. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Two committee chairs in the U.S. House of Representatives are seeking information regarding how the state is spending federal funds intended to enhance local water infrastructure. Yesterday, Congressman Benny Thompson of Mississippi and Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney of New York sent a letter to Governor Tate Reeves. They want a breakdown of where the state sent funds from the American Rescue Plan Act and the bipartisan infrastructure law. In part one of their conversation, Thompson details the purpose of his letter and discusses the relationships between local, state, and federal officials. As you know, there have been a lot of conversation back and forth between uh, the city of Jackson, uh, state of Mississippi, as to uh, what has taken place over the last few years relative to resourcing of the Jackson Public Works Department or Water and Sewer Department. So based on the back and forth, the uh, Government Reform and Oversight Chairwoman Maloney contacted me as to whether or not there's interest in getting to the bottom of what is and uh, what is not. And since I represent a majority of the city of Jackson, I told them, I'm always interested in seeing what happens with the expenditure of uh, federal funds into a community. And so our letter, as you uh, can see, goes in great detail uh, on requesting various information about how the state of Mississippi uh, go about deciding who receives uh, its federal fund funding uh, from uh, uh, the U.S. government onto uh, municipalities and other water systems. Is there anything specific to Jackson that, in the way that uh, the legislature uh, decided to allocate funds, is there anything unique and specific to Jackson that caught your attention? Well, yes. The uh, city of Jackson has indicated uh, that with certain federal funds, they are being asked to do more than any other city uh, to access those funds. And uh, we just want to make sure if that is the case, then we need to know why Jackson is being treated differently than all other cities. So basically this letter, uh, in, in, in sum, is to 
get to the facts, uh, we'll have an opportunity once those uh, facts in terms of submissions are submitted to us to review it, and if there are any questions. But the goal is to make sure that any and all federal funds that are coming to the state of Mississippi are being spent in a legal manner. I don't want uh, these funds to end up like the TANF funds uh, here in the state of Mississippi, where obviously uh, we had millions of dollars uh, misspent. Uh, and so we had communities uh, and individuals and families who suffered because of that uh, uh, illegal expenditure of funds. I don't want the customers of the Jackson Waterworks uh, to be unfairly targeted uh, by the state of Mississippi in the withholding of federal funds for which uh, they are entitled to. That brings me to uh, a recent, most recent development uh, regarding the the water infrastructure, the staffing troubles and challenges it's had. Uh, uh, the governor's office and the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency uh, announced that the unified command structure, which is uh, the team put in place that consists of state officials, local officials, and federal officials, um, will begin an RFQ process to find a contract, to find a third party to contract to operate not just the HB Curtis water treatment facility that was at the center of the most recent crisis, uh, but the entirety of the Jackson water system. Have you had a chance to kind of contemplate that? And do you have a response to uh, to the direction of, of seeking out a year-long third party contract? Well, the city of Jackson is the owner of the system. Uh, the unified uh, command structure is something that's put in place uh, when situations like this occur. But also, that unified command structure means that uh, you consider the owner and the people who are in the command structure before you push anything out. My understanding is that has not been the case. But obviously, I'm not privy to what went on, but from the government's expectation, because under that structure, we would be required uh, to provide a certain amount of the match funding that would go toward uh, that particular request for proposal. If the request for a proposal did not include sign on by the owner of the system, then that's problematic. But it's 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 kind of emptomatic of a, a a broader situation where somehow the state of Mississippi continues to ignore uh, the elected officials and the constituents uh, in the capital city, and you can't do that. So I hope that the unified command structure follows the established guidelines that we have established at the federal level so that the, the, all of the parties involved are familiar and in agreement with what's being put out on the street uh, for proposals. If it's not, then it's not following uh, the established order of how things should be done. The perpetual challenges that the Jackson water system has faced um, you know, for decades, um, 
you know, is clearly brought to the forefront uh, with with the recent crisis and and uh, you know more than a month without without potable water. We see this united command structure. We see uh, to some degree a, a cooperation between local, state, and federal officials. But what will it take? And what do you want to see? Uh, you know, whether it's local lo- local leadership, state leadership, uh, the role of the Fed, what what is the path forward to get the citizens of Jackson rely a reliable water system? Well, as you know, at the federal level, we provide uh, millions of dollars uh, to states uh, to help water systems in their state survive. Uh, the NAACP has made the allegation that. Uh, the state of Mississippi has discriminated uh, against the citizens of Jackson, Mississippi, in that respect. That is being investigated as we speak. Uh, the city of Jackson has made similar allegations against the state of Mississippi, and the facts will speak for itself. So at some point, we'll figure out uh, the responsible parties in this. What some of our hopes going forward will be that the citizens will have a functioning water system of which they can drink the water, they can bathe, and just like every other citizens of a, a customer of a water system uh, should have. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, uh, something that the state of Mississippi is notorious in doing as it treats minority communities. Uh, you look at the mental health system and the poor people who are challenged in getting that consideration. You look at the TANF funding that went with respect to those needed families where that money uh, was misdirected. Uh, you look at those inmates who are incarcerated in our criminal justice system, uh, how they are unconstitutionally housed. So we don't have a good record at state government at managing certain federal dollars as it relates to people of color. And so Mississippi has to do a better job. You just can't take the money from the federal government and do what you want with it. All the monies that we send to states come with certain conditions. Uh, One of the primary conditions is that you can't discriminate uh, in the distribution of these funds. That was our Michael Guidry with Democrat Benny Thompson, who represents Mississippi's 2nd Congressional District. In part two of Thompson's conversation with Michael. If you come to the committee, and we find that you've perjured yourself, then obviously you will be referred for prosecution for perjury. Nobody is above the law, not even former President Donald John Trump. The next chapter of the January 6th investigation, that's tomorrow. Coming up, more from the state Senate minority leader on the party's effort to examine welfare spending. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It's been nearly three years since the state auditor announced the initial indictments connected with Mississippi's largest case of welfare fraud. Those charges began with the former head of the Department of Human Services, a mother-son duo at the helm of a nonprofit, and a former pro wrestler. The investigation continues as state and federal officials examine just how $77 million in TANF funds was illegally misspent. Along the way, other highly connected individuals have been implicated, most notably former Governor Phil Bryant and Brett Favre. Today, a caucus of Democrats are holding a hearing at the Capitol to scrutinize how welfare funds are spent in Mississippi. In part two of Senator Derek Simmons' conversation with our Lacey Alexander, the Senate Minority Leader from Greenville says more attention should be on those impacted by the failures of the system. There's a lot in the national media regarding celebrities. Uh, there's a lot in the national media, uh, media regarding um, where the money went. And there is little talk about you know, those who were intended, were the ones that the money was intended for. And so what we would like to look at, uh, Leader Robert Johnson and I, uh, and House and Senate Democrats, we would like to look at the system as a whole and to look at a way to make recommendations, evaluate the system, see what went wrong, and talk about ways that we can truly get these federal dollars to those Mississippians who uh, those those dollars were intended for. And, and to the extent that we are not doing that as a state, we need to fix that problem. And so it's, it's bigger than the misuse. The misuse, we've seen that play out in the media, right? We've seen and uh, in, in, in prosecutions and investigations are underway regarding that. But as legislators... Uh, we'll like to take it a little step further and look at the current law that is on the books, the, the current policies that are in place uh, at the agency, and to look, are we doing the right thing regarding those federal dollars? Are, are, are those dollars getting to those Mississippians who need it most? And that's what we're planning to look at at, 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 at these series of hearings, because uh, the one on Tuesday, October the 18th, is one of one of a series of, of hearings that we will have on this issue. Are there any um, new ideas that you plan to bring to the table that you can speak on right now? Not at this time. All right. Thank you, Senator. Is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners that maybe I forgot to ask you today? Mississippi is a wonderful state to live in. We need leaders in this state that believe that the state is better if we build this state from the bottom up. If we could have policies that would lift Mississippians up, starting with the working poor 
and trying to improve the quantity and quality of life for those Mississippians, we would be a better state. So often do we see legislation passed in the Mississippi legislature and signed by the governor that benefit Mississippians who are already doing well. What we even see in this whole TANF scandal is situations where a system benefits only the few, despite the fact that those federal dollars were intended for a straight segment of of the population. And so we just need to move this state forward, and the way we do it is next year is an election year. Let's elect leaders that will move this state in the direction that I just mentioned. Thank you so much. State Senator Derek Simmons and Minority Leader, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you so much, Lacey. Again, that hearing is today at the Mississippi State Capitol. Coming up, Mississippi faces a critical shortage in much-needed blood types. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Blood shortages are a nationwide challenge right now, and Mississippi is no exception. According to Mississippi Blood Services, four of the eight blood types are in severe shortage, with another two categorized as in critical need. There is also a gravely short supply of platelets. Platelets. Brittany Mitchell is a donor resources specialist. She speaks with our Lacey Alexander Moore about the need for donors. We're always in need of O positive, O negative, uh, B positive, B negative. Those are some of the rarest blood types, but we're always asking for all blood types. Um, And this definitely, uh, the blood shortage is not only a Mississippi problem, it is a U.S. problem. Um, Every state is experiencing this, and COVID played a major role in that shortage. Can you elaborate on how COVID contributed to this problem? Yes. Uh, With COVID, of course, many people were hospitalized and uh, got really sick, and one of those uh, things that they needed was blood transfusion. And when patients come in and aren't aware of their blood type and in a very in an emergency state where there is no time uh, oneg is what's needed the most um, which is the most rare blood type but it is universal so all blood types can receive that blood uh, and that's why we see the least of that uh, in our on our shelves because we're constantly trying to get it out to the hospitals for the patients who need it What trends do you see in blood shortage periods? Is it always around the same time, or do they have similar contexts? When was the last time we saw a shortage this severe? I will say summer months are always extremely hard on blood centers, especially here at MBS. Uh, 
you know, people are out on vacation and, you know, traveling more, which also takes into account accidents and things of that nature where blood supply is definitely needed for surgeries um, and transfusions. Uh, So we do see summer months being the hardest. Gotcha. What are some few, what are a few reasons that maybe you hear a lot or some reasons that you hear often that people are reluctant to give blood? Well, I will say uh, of the fear of a needle, it's a small stick and it only takes about 30 minutes in total uh, to donate, 10, 10 of which where you're actually donating. You do have to check in first and check your iron and your blood pressure. But, you know, that's probably the most common is the fear behind it. Um, but once you do it and get a feel for it, it's not, you know, you're not as scared. I'm also not having enough knowledge about it, um, which they can always visit our website or give us a call, and we're happy to answer any questions. Um, but also the time. Uh, some people are like, oh, I don't have the time in the day. Of course, everybody has their schedules, uh, and that's why we make it as you know, quick as we can um, by having our donor history questionnaire online that they can complete. So we're always trying to find new ways to uh, make sure that the time that they spend isn't a long process so they can get back to the things that they need to do. And how has your entity specifically responded to this blood shortage? Are you guys doing more drives? Are you guys um, changing how you operate at all? Well, we are definitely always trying to rally businesses and schools um, or individuals in general um, throughout the community, throughout the state to host blood drives or if they can't host to please donate or even both. Uh, So we're always doing that. But one thing that we also try to do, because we do appreciate our blood donors, is to give away incentives uh, where it may be a $15 gift card or a $10 gift card. And uh, at our fixed sites, which are in Flowood, Cleveland, and Oxford, uh, we are always having a monthly donor appreciation week. Uh, We'll give away sweatshirts and many different items, or we even have giveaways. Uh, We're always trying to come up with new ways to encourage donors uh, to come see us. Now, this may sound like an obvious question, but just educate us for maybe people that don't realize, what are some consequences of this blood shortage? What are some problems that we're seeing because we're low on blood right now? Well, unfortunately, uh, the biggest is hospitals not being able to or being I guess, telling the patients and their families that they're going to have to be put on a wait list because their blood type is not available um, or that there's just a severe shortage that they have to be waitlisted. And that's the worst thing that any family member or patient wants to hear. Uh, You know, it definitely touches your heart to think that someone you know could be the one laying in that hospital bed. So that's probably the biggest Thing about wanting to rally the community to donate blood. Um, what has to happen for this um, blood shortage to be resolved, do you think? Honestly, the, the best thing to tell you is for people to donate blood or if they're not eligible to donate, uh, to get their community involved and host a blood drive in their area. 
there are so many different ways to support Mississippi Blood Services and the work that we do here because uh, it's really just about saving lives and um, helping fellow Mississippians live longer and enjoy their life with their loved ones. So uh, one thing, you know, if you want to be a sponsor for a blood drive or uh, participate in any way, uh, we'll always be willing to listen to the community uh, to find the best way for any individual to support MBS and the work we do. Thank you, Brittany. Is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners that maybe I forgot to ask you today? Um, yes. So if for any reason someone wants to come and donate blood or find a blood drive in their area or even a center, um, you can visit our website. It's msblood.com. You can search by zip code and find upcoming blood drives near you. Um, and also please let us know if you're interested in donating platelets. One of our centers, we have a really great incentive going on right now where platelet donors will receive a $25 visa at the time of donation. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.